Today we come to the last of the Ten Commandments. I thought you might clap because we're almost done with all of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we've made it to Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. We'll look at that one today. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. We're going to wait for the scripture. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and the safety that it gives us if we would just follow. Father, today we're going to talk about our neighbors and our attitudes towards them and our attitudes towards stuff. So, Father, you be with us as we look at your word and see just how we ought to be. Thank you for these guidance for our lives, that we would just follow loving you work with all of our hearts. Then everything else would fall into place. Help it to fall into place in Jesus' name. Once upon a time, I love how stories begin with that, and this is one of those types of stories about a king and a queen that coveted some land. You find the story in 1 Kings chapter 21. And so it begins, there was a man, but let's forget once upon a time there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel. He owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace of the king Ahab of Samaria. Location, location, location. Good land. One day Ahab the king said to Naboth, the owner of the vineyard, since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I'd like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I'll give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I'll pay you <coughs> I doubt the king would have done any other gardening himself, but the location he wanted. So let's make a deal. But Naboth said, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down to my ancestors. According to Leviticus, he couldn't do it unless he was destitute, and he wasn't, so he couldn't sell it if he wanted to. So he told the king, Sorry, but I can't. So Ahab went home angry. The king didn't like no for an answer. And sullen because of the answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall. Now, you know a man is mad at night if he faces the wall. Sometimes I've heard of men doing things like that. Not talking to anybody, facing the wall. And then you know something's wrong, he refused to eat. The king was not happy. And the queen could see by his body language and his behavior something's wrong. What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him. What made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked the neighbor to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused to have told her. Like a two-year-old, the king is upset. Now Jezebel, who through history has been known as quite the manipulator. In fact, you don't find many people naming daughters Jezebel anymore. This name is <laughs> Are you king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something. Don't worry about it. I will get you Naboth's vineyard. And 
she did. She wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, sent them to the elders and the other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. In her letter, she commanded, Call the citizens together for a time of fasting and give Naboth a place of honor. And then seek two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. That was her plan. Bearing false witness. We talked about that last week. So the elders of the town, town leaders, followed her instructions. The Jezebel had written the letters. They called for a fast, but they bought a prominent place before the people. Then the two scoundrels came and sat across from him. They accused Naboth before all people, saying he cursed God and the king, so he was dragged outside the town, and he was stoned to death for doing nothing. The town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth had been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, you know the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? You can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to explain it. That's the problem with coveting something that belongs to your neighbor. It's not something like your neighbor. I don't want a car like theirs. I don't want a house like theirs. I don't want a wife like theirs. I want theirs is the problem. And there are several biblical stories we could have looked at today. If you want some homework and you want to read another story about not coveting, go home and read the story of Achan in Joshua chapter 7. A story of great consequences because of covenant. Or remember, we talked about David and Bathsheba. David went and saw, and he coveted his neighbor's wife. But there are also myriad stories from society today. This one really, I remembered. And you remember the name Wanda Holloway from Channel View, Texas? Her daughter was in junior high. And wanted to be a cheerleader. Yeah, They've made some movies after this. Wanted to be a cheerleader, and so she wasn't sure if her daughter would make it because there was another girl who was very good and was sure to be on the team. So what wanted Holloway do? She hired a hitman to kill the junior high girl rival's mother, so the little girl would be grieving and couldn't become a cheerleader. That's the way her mind worked. Coveting is alive and well in our society. James chapter 4, verse 2, tells us the truth when it says, You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and you cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. James 4, 2 defines the problem. Murder, scheming, disputes, conflicts, but it also gives us the cure for covenant. The last part. You do not have because you do not ask. Covenant is a spiritual problem. And if there's something going on in your life, and there's something that's special to you, we are told to ask. Can you imagine what would have happened if King Ahab or Wanda Holloway had sought God in their situations if they had asked? that have been totally different outcomes to the stories. What would God have said? God says things like this if we have trouble with this one. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. 
Philippians tells us we should prefer our neighbors to ourselves. And if we do that, coveting does not become a problem. Romans 12, 9 and 10 teaches this. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So outdo your neighbors by showing them honor and love. Colossians 3, 1 to 5. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Don't worry about what you for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. So therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And it lists things to you in fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. How so? Well, God forbids coveting because it sets my heart on things of earth rather than things of heaven. It is getting things so out of whack that whatever it is you're after has taken over your life and it's become your idol. I love this example of somebody who could have coveted what somebody else had from John the Baptist. Remember when Jesus began his public ministry on earth, the crowds that had been following John the Baptist suddenly started to follow Jesus. And one of John's disciples came to him and basically said, what are you going to do about this? Aren't you upset that this is happening? He's getting all the fame. Don't you want that? Remember what John's response was? John 3.30. He must increase. I must decrease. A perfect answer from John. A great attitude of not coveting when things could have been very different. <coughs> this commandment is different because all of the other ones deal with actions. And this one is about attitude. The others are about behavior, but this one's about our mind. Don't steal says keep your hands off. Don't covet says keep your minds. Don't even think about that. And so the commandments even are going after the way we think. We've over the past many weeks turned these commands, most of them, to the positive. How do you turn thou shalt not covet to the positive? How about this? Two things. Be content with what you have and be happy for your neighbor. That's the cure for it. Be content with what you have and be happy for your neighbor. First, be content with what you have. The fuel of coveting is discontent. So if you give it to discontent, you're not going to covet. Once upon a time, there was a man who lived in a hut, a very small one, with his wife, his two children, his elderly parents. So small hut, wife, children, and parents. He tried to be patient and gracious, but the noise and the crowded conditions just upset him. In desperation, he went to a village wise man and told him the problem. The wise man says, do you have a rooster? I said, yeah, I have a rooster. He said, move it inside the house with you. Keep it in there for a week. So he did. He went back a week later to see the wise man. He said, it's worse than ever. Did you move the rooster in? I did. Do you have a cow? Yeah. Move it in. Move the cow in. Had a rooster and a cow in addition to everything he had. 
went back to the wise men a week later and said, this is horrible. Week after week he would go back and the wise men would have him add a sheep and a goat and dogs and his brother's children. And finally he could take it no more and in a fit of anger he kicked out all the animals and all the guests, leaving only his wife, his children, and his parents. The home suddenly became spacious and quiet and everyone lived happily ever after. Being content is great protection in today's world. As a Christian, my focus is not supposed to be me, but my, supposed, my focus is supposed to be Jesus and other people. I'm not supposed to be focused on the things of my life. So be happy with what you have. Now, be happy for your neighbor. It's interesting in our society, we know how the scripture defined neighbor in the story of the Good Samaritan. But one of the reasons a lot of people don't have it today is a lot of people don't know their neighbors. Is that true? Remember when you did? Remember the way the world used to be? When everybody knew their neighbors and were involved in their lives? One of the reasons that this might be disappearing a little bit in our lives, unfortunately, is we don't know our neighbors. And if we're going to be the salt and the light in this world that we ought to be, you need to get to know your That's an important thing for all of us to do. But in being happy for our neighbors, it means we have to know them, but it also means we need to love them. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28, we have some light shed on this. One of the scribes came near and heard the disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, What commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then Jesus volunteered the second most important commandment, he could say. Love your neighbor as yourself, the New Testament version. There's no other commandment greater than me. When we love our neighbors, we are happy. When we love our neighbors, we will not covet. I had friends in Indiana that built a very nice house. It was funny some of the reactions of people about the nice house. They don't need anything like that. I wish it had. It was funny watching coveting come alive. And I remember asking the friend what he thought about the house, and he said, good for them. Good for them. What a great attitude when you see your neighbors with nothing. Just take good for them. This story, this last one I'm going to tell you, I wasn't going to use because it just seemed a little hokey, but it made some really good points, so forgive me for telling you a hokey story. A man gave his dog a special cut of meat as a treat, and the dog didn't swallow it immediately. The dog decided to keep it and take it to its special place. You had a place that had a special place to go and enjoy something? So the dog had to go to a special place, and he had the big cut of meat in its mouth, and it went across a low bridge to get to its special place. And as it crossed the bridge, it looked down at the clear water, and it saw another dog. And the other dog had a piece of meat in its mouth, too. So the dog had an idea. I'm going to drop this one and get that other one, and I'll pick mine up, and then I'll have two. The other dog looked smaller than the dog that had the meat, and he knew he could take him without any trouble. 
but the piece of meat looked a lot better and bigger than its own. Okay, you see where the story's going. The, drop, the dog opens his mouth and drops the meat into the water and doesn't have anything. But the point of the story that the author said that made so much sense to me, he said that's what coveting does. It makes the legitimate owner seem smaller than they are. And it makes the prize look much bigger than it actually is. Isn't that interesting? It makes the legitimate owner look much smaller than they are, and it makes the prize look a lot bigger than it really is. So what do we do with this? You know coveting is wrong, but what kind of lesson do we take? Be happy with what you have. Be happy with what God has given you, and use it to please Him with all of your heart. And be happy for your neighbor. Get to know your neighbors. Love them. Lift them up and see what happens. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your love. And help us to be content. Help us to be content with who we have and what we have. And Father, help us when we focus on our neighbors. Help us to focus on what we can do for them. And how we can love and honor and help them. Father, thank you for your time. Help us to live by them always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are not going to do a hymn of invitation today. What we are going to do, because Veterans Day is this week, is we're going to honor our veterans and put that in your mind as the week begins.